0: All right, Acts eighteen. If you guys got your Bibles, your iPads, Acts chapter eighteen. Uh, we were here a long time last night, so I'm going to try to cut it down a little bit today. Uh, actually, I, I <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. All right, let's let's just get into it then. Let's read some let's read some scriptures together. All right, Second Peter chapter three. I'm going to read some scriptures. Uh, verses 2 it says do not forget Peter writes that this one thing dear friends the Lord with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise To some understand slowness he's patient with you not letting listen to this this is why we do what we do this is why Tomoka says we exist to make it hard for people to go to hell because here's what God's heart says God doesn't want anyone to perish but who Everyone to come to repentance. Listen, God's single heart desires to see everybody come to repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That's what God wants. That's his huge why, right? So the question is, how do we get that done? How do we get done the work that God wants to see done in everyone? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. If you're online this morning, if you're in here this morning, how many of you have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ? Say amen. Amen. Right? Aren't you grateful, church? Right? God does that work for us through Jesus. We accept it. It says, and he gave us now, since we've been reconciled, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Jesus Not counting men's sins against them. Is there anybody here that's grateful that God doesn't count your sins against you? Right? Okay, about half of you. Everybody else is okay with it? Right? How many of you are grateful that God doesn't count your sins against you? Man, come on. Doesn't hold them against you. Just as a side note, you probably shouldn't hold it against them either. If God's willing to forgive and not count them, I'm not sure that our receiving of that entitles us to hold other people's sins against them. Just say it, right? He says he's given us the ministry and it says he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And what's the message? We are Christ ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. Listen to this we implore, in the Greek that word is beg. We beg you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. So God wants to see how many come how many come to repentance? Everyone. Big task, yes or no? Right? How do we get it done? He uses those of us who he's already reconciled to beg others on behalf of Jesus to come to faith in Christ. You ever begged anybody to come to faith in Christ? Right? That's how we get it done. You and me reconciled to God through Jesus, begging others on behalf of Jesus to be reconciled to God. Right? He tells us what we do. Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? All the nations. And then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Listen, God's heart's desire is to see how many people come to faith in Christ. How many? Everybody. And who does he use to do it? Those of us that have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And where do we go? We go everywhere. Is that a big job? Yeah, it's amazing. And the book of Acts, listen, the book of Acts has been, been telling the story of that taking place. The gospels tell the story of Jesus. The Gospel tell the story of our Savior coming to the earth and going to the cross and making it to the tomb. But the book of Acts tells us the story of what we just talked about. A God who wants to see everyone who comes to repentance. A God who reconciles us to himself through Jesus and then sends us out to every nation to make disciples of those people. That is a difficult task because we've learned in the book of Acts, people die for that. Thousands upon tens of thousands of people persecuted. And kicked out of their country, becoming refugees in other countries. We've seen Stephen stoned to death. We've seen Paul or James beheaded. We've seen Peter and John arrested and beaten. Listen, doing the work of the kingdom is no easy task, is it, Church? It's no easy task. There's a lot that takes place in that. And listen, when we go about this work, there's a lot of fight. That takes place against us in the work. If you've ever been involved in the work of the kingdom. And been busy doing what God's asked you to do. Have you ever come up against the enemy? Right? He's at work. Right? He's at work to make sure that you're not successful. Because for every soul that God wants saved. Satan wants them destroyed. Right? We lose people in that fight. We lose people in fight, and unfortunately in the church, we we consider losses in that fight as collateral damage. Listen, if you give all you got, you, you fight as hard as you can, and you don't make it, listen, it's just collateral damage. It's part of the process. Listen, do you have any idea how many of you matter to God? How many of you matter to God? All of you matter. And it's time for the churches to recognize that all of you matter. Now, all of, your, all of you might matter, but all of your opinions don't matter. Let's be clear about that, right? <laughs> Just because you matter doesn't mean that everybody gets to vote on everything, right? But you matter. You listen, for us to get the work done, do you know how many of you we need to get this work done? All of you. Because remember, we got to make sure that the whole world knows. God wants to see everyone saved, and he's only going to do it through those he's already saved. We got a big job, we got a large fight, and we lose people along the way. People, ever been frustrated serving the Lord? Ever been discouraged serving the Lord? Ever just want to give up and stop trying because you're you're tired, you're frustrated, you're discouraged, you're angry? Anybody ever feel that way? Of course you have. So how do we do this? How do we have such a huge task in front of us and get this work done? Well, I think in Acts chapter 18 today, the last five verses... We're going to see some practices that you and I can implement to make sure that we get this work done. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read these six verses at the book, end of chapter 18 in the book of Acts. It says this, after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and he traveled from place to place, place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Paulus wanted to go to Achaia or to Corinth, the brothers encouraged him and they wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in a public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. You guys can be seated. So how do we get this done? How many people does God want saved? all of them and where's he going to who's he going to use to get that done us and where do we got to go to get it done everywhere big task yeah huge task and everybody knows there's a fight there's a fight when we go about getting that done and so how do we do this i want to just point out three practices that are evident in this passage that i think you and i all need when we consider what god is asking us to do and here's the first practice is this Bible says that strength, they strengthened the disciples. Paul went around. So at the end of this passage in verse 23, we begin the third missionary journey, right? Paul's gone out the first time. He's planted churches. He's gone out the second time, planted some churches, stopped by other churches. But on this missionary trip, it says specifically when he left Antioch for the third time, he went to strengthen the disciples. Strengthen disciples. That Greek word for strengthen is a word that means there's something built. And then on top of that thing that's built, right? You place something else there, set something else in place there to strengthen it, right? To give it more stability, right? Anybody in here ever need to be strengthened more, right? Listen the I mean, it's... it's uh You know, I, re, I was growing up. I remember growing up and I heard people talk about old man strength. Anybody ever hear that? Am I the only person? Right? No. They always talked about having old man strength. Well, I'm 58. According to my daughters, I'm an old man. So, I'm still waiting on old man strength. Right? It's not as prevalent as I thought it would be according to the way that I heard it taught when I was growing up. Listen... The Bible says that Paul went to new churches, churches he had established, and he went back a second time to do what? To strengthen the disciples. Let me tell you this, for every church that's established that's not strengthened, it's a recipe for mission failure. Listen, who does God want to reach? Everyone. Who's he going to use? He's going to use us. Listen, You and I are the work that God's doing in the world. We're the hands and the feet. We say that all the time. How do you do the work in every part of the world to see that people come to faith in Christ and not get strengthened? Not find yourself being strengthened. The reality is that doing the work that God wants us to do without being strengthened isn't going to work. It's not going to work. And that's and, and that's talking as a person that spent his entire life trying to do this, most of it, on my own. Because here's the key part, right? Here's the key part. Let me read some verses to you. First Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul says, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who's our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ. So Paul didn't go, but he sent Timothy to do what? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Sounds great. Why did he do it? So that no one would be unsettled by the trials that they were undergoing. You know quite well that we are destined for them. Listen, anybody in here, anybody online going through a trial? Right? Ever been through a trial? Right? Listen, the reality is this. Paul says you and I need to be strengthened for those days of those trials. Because it's easy to give up. When the pressure gets great, it's easy to stop when you're overwhelmed by the way to the trial. Listen, when you get persecuted, right, when people are attacking you because of your faith, right, when you're up against it in the work of ministry, here's what the Bible says, you need to be strengthened. You need to take that thing that you already have and you need to build on it. You need to set something on it, affix something to it, so it'll be even stronger. Listen, there's no way to do the work that God's asking us to do if you're not being strengthened in your faith. James says it this way in James chapter 5. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. This phrase, stand firm, is the word for strengthen. Stand, be patient, and strengthen, or be strengthened because the Lord's coming is near. Listen, it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up. Listen, one of the things that we saw during COVID was an amazing outpouring of support for churches. I can't tell you how many churches that I talked to, how many leaders I talked to, who saw nothing but an unbelievable outpouring of support, not only financially, but all kinds of ways people want to support the church. But as great as that was, one of the things that we've seen coming out of COVID is how many people actually gave up during COVID and have never come back. They just quit. They're nowhere to be found, right? Because it's easy to give up in this fight, in this journey, because it's a huge job God's asked us to do. And you and I need to be strengthened in that process, right? So here's what I want to say to you. How do you get strengthened? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it, right? Out in the hallway, right over to the, to the east side of our information desk, Guest Central, Jason Holt is out there. Jason's our discipleship pastor. Jason is, um, over our group's ministry. And what that means is, is that we get leaders, we train leaders to take a group of people in their homes, right? Uh, in some space, whether it's on this property, we want to encourage you to be off property in a home and eight, 10, 12, 14 of you get together and you study scripture, right? And you do it together. And you know what happens when you get in a small group? You get strengthened. That's what you do. You get strengthened. Right now, last weekend, there were almost 1,900 people on our campus over the three services. Almost 1,900. Yeah, you clap for that because that's finally finally back, getting back to where we were before COVID hit. And of those 1,900, almost 1,600 of you were adults last weekend. And of those 1,600, only about 650 of you are currently in a small group. Less than a third, almost a, less than a third of our, our people are in a group. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to encourage you as a fellow worker in this and as a pastor. Man, if you're not in a small group, go out there and talk to Jason and come back next Sunday night for Group Connect and find you a group. Listen, I know for some of you, it's going to, you're going to hate it. I hated it and I hosted it. Okay. It was a, it was a terrible combination. Okay. It was not something I wanted to do, but now having done it, for almost eight years, I'm telling you, it's one of the best things that I do every week is be a part of a small group of people. And I can tell you from being in it and watching it, it works. People get strengthened in their faith. They get encouraged to not give up. It makes all the difference in the world. Listen, the Bible makes it clear that our fight requires us to be strengthened. Listen, what you got in a tank right now ain't gonna last forever. You need that tank filled up. And this right here, this hour, except when I preach, hour and a half, it's good, right? It's good, but it's not enough to sustain you seven days a week. But when you find a group of people that you can connect with, that you can study Scripture with, that you can be strengthened with, that'll pray with you, encourage you, you, it's going to make a difference. Amen, church? So, man, I'm going to encourage you. To get signed up and be a part of a group. Because when Paul established the church, he went back and he strengthened it. Listen, you may be established as a believer, but your faith needs to be strengthened in your journey. Can I get an amen, church? All right, second practice. Here's the second thing that they did. The second practice that they had was explain explain things more accurately. So Luke makes a transition from Paul and he talks about a man named Apollos. And Apollos was clearly a man that had come to faith through hearing John the Baptist's testimony of Jesus. Because it says that he was a devout man, he knew the scriptures, but he only knew the baptism of John, right? But he was, he was teaching it, right? He was teaching it, and John's baptism was a bapti- baptism of repentance, right? What do I got to do? We need to repent. And so he's in the synagogue, and he's refuting the Jews. The scripture tells us that Priscilla and Aquila show up and they hear him and they're not talking about the baptism of Jesus he's talking about the baptism of John so they stood up in the middle of it they called him a false teacher they posted things on Facebook told people to avoid him Right? that's what they did no the Bible says they listened and then they invited him to come to their home and they taught him the way of God more accurately listen one of the things that we do to make it in this mission is how many people does God want to reach? Everyone. Come on, when I say it, everyone. And who's he going to use? He's going to use us. And where are we going to go? Everywhere. Big mission? Yeah, it's huge. How are we going to get it done? you got to get strengthened. You need to get strengthened in your journey. You need to get into a in a place. Get with a ministry team, but get in a group where you can find the ability to be strengthened. Sometimes, sometimes we have to be taught the word of God more accurately. And listen, you all know this. Everybody online knows this. Everybody in here knows this. How many of you have heard the saying or you've said it? If I only knew then what I know now. Anybody? Right? Listen. That's the reason. Listen, let's be clear. That's the reason our kids hate us. Right? Listen. Listen, my kids watch me be amazing to their kids. And they wonder why I was such a terrible parent, right? Listen, the reality is this. I didn't know anything about being a parent. I learned how to be a good parent on my kids that are gone. But now that they've got kids, I'm an amazing grandparent, right? Right? Listen, and my kids look at me like, he's a liar. He's a liar, right? I mean, that's just the truth. Why? Because if we'd have known... Then, what we know now, we'd have been better. Amen? Listen, the reality is this, that sometimes in our journey of faith, there are things that you learn that are just simply wrong. And over time, you gotta learn something new, something better. Anybody ever changed their opinion about what they thought they knew of scripture over time? Of course you have. If you haven't, you're probably not attending this church. Okay? Listen, the reality is this, that sometimes you've gotta learn what you don't know. And Apollos only learned and only knew the baptism of John. And that was a baptism of repentance. He had no idea of the baptism of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Anna or Priscilla and Aquila took him into their home and they taught him privately about how to do it. The word explained more accurately means this. It basically is the picture of this high point, right? It's basically giving you a better view of what things to look at and it allows you to more accurately, listen, more accurately discern what's real and what's not real. It also has the meaning that you've got to put some things out. So what happens is, is when you get into into a study, sometimes things you think you know, you have to learn that that's got to go so something new can come in. Does that make sense to everybody? Right? Listen, the reality is there's not a person online, not a person in here, not one of us that stands on this stage to teach or to preach has everything known. Listen, I've been here for 13 years and there's some things that I thought I knew when I got here that I guarantee you I preached about that today I would preach differently. And sometimes I get frustrated and embarrassed by that. But the reality is, there's no way to know all of that until you learn what you don't know. And the reality is, once again, you want another plug for getting in a group? That's a great place to do it. Because it's a time for you to actually dig into the Word and ask questions. Listen, the reality is, we we spend a lot of time and effort preparing for this moment. Every single week, we plan for you to be here And we're excited for you to be here. And worship was amazing this morning, was it not? It was stinking. It was incredible, right? It was awesome. But listen, it is hard for you to know, to learn what you don't know in this kind of setting. It's just not always the easiest thing to do. But when you get into a group, when you get into a group and somebody's home and you can take the extra 10 or 15 seconds and go, Hey, can I ask a stupid question? Right. You may find out that, wow, what I thought I know, what I thought I knew, I didn't know at all. So once again, I want to encourage you with everything I have. If you're not in a group, make it a priority to get to group connect next Sunday. And let's let's go from 600 to 1200. Let's get you in a group where you can have the way of God explained more accurately. And let me just say this to all of you in here and to everybody online. Priscilla and Aquila did it the right way. I don't know how long you've gone to church, how long those of you online have gone to church, but have you ever heard somebody say something that you knew was wrong about the Bible? Yeah? You probably heard it today in the 20 minutes I've been talking, right? Listen, there are things you hear that you think aren't right. Can I just, can I just allow you to see the way Priscilla and Aquila did it so that you can be encouraged to do it the right way? The Bible says that when they heard him only preaching the baptism of John... They didn't jump up and fill a fit. They didn't go to their social media page and call him out. No, what did they do? They took the time, invited him to their home, and they simply taught him the way of God more accurately. Listen, you're going to run into people in this space. You're going to run into people on social media that post things that you're going to go, Oh my gosh, they're so wrong. All right. Don't be shocked by that. It's not like you knew everything all at once. If you want to correct them, take the time to invite them to your home, right? Give them a cup of coffee and just explain the way of God more accurately. There's there's such a better way to do that. Listen, we don't all know the same things at, at the same times. It's just not possible. And for Priscilla and Aquila, they saw Apollos as a team member, not an enemy. And so they took the time to instruct him. Listen, every one of us needs to be strengthened in our faith. Can I get an amen? You need to be strengthened. And part of being strengthened is you've got to learn what you don't know, which means some of the things that you know now have got to be gotten rid of so those new things could come in. And that's exactly what happened, right? That's exactly what happened with Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila. They learned or they taught the Word of God more accurately. And then here's the last practice. The last practice uh, is this. Brothers and sisters encouraged him. They encouraged him. So after Priscilla and Aquila taught him about the baptism of Jesus, he was wound up. Because how many people does God want to save? Come on, I'm not moving on till you. Say it with some zesto. Right? How many? All of them, right? And who's he going to use? He's going to use you. And where are we going to go? It is a huge task. We lose lots of people along the way. People have lost their lives and are losing their lives today across this globe doing the work that God wants done. Lots of them, right? It is an arduous task that needs to be done. Why? Because God wants everyone to come to repentance, right? And he's chosen you and he's chosen me to get that work done. It's a hard, it's a hard work. And we need strengthened in the journey. Right? We need taught, we need the word of God taught to us more accurately. And you know what we also need? We need to be encouraged. Anybody in here ever been in need of encouragement? Right? We say the word encourage means to give courage. Right? To give courage. Right? To encourage someone is to give them courage. Give them your courage. Give them some courage. But to encourage them. 109. Everybody say 109. One hundred and nine times in the New Testament, that word is used. Encourage, right? First Thessalonians five eleven says this. Therefore, what? Encourage one another and build each other up, just as you are doing. How about this one? It says this in Hebrews ten twenty five. Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Right? We all need courage them days. Don't we? Amen, church. That's not the word that Luke uses here. It's not the word. You see, the word that's used 109 times in scripture is the, is the Greek word parakaleo. It basically means for somebody to come right beside you as close as they can, and they're there to speak on your behalf, to have your back, to make sure that you're not alone, to make sure that somebody's going to speak for you, somebody's going to defend you, somebody's going to protect you. Anybody got people in their lives like that, right? Those are the greatest people in the world, right? They come alongside. That's not what Paul says here. The the word that Paul uses is the Greek word prochepo. And here's what that word means. That word means to take something and put it in front of. To point it in front of. To in time make it the first thing. And in space make it the first thing. Right? And the word trepo means to turn. So here's what he says. Having encouraged Apollos, what did they do? They took him and they put him up front. And they turned him toward the work in Corinth. You see, at that point in time, Paulus didn't need to be Spoken for, encouraged. He just learned about the baptism of Jesus. Praise God. He he learned about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He was ready to go. What did they do? The Bible says they encouraged him. What did it mean? It meant it turned him toward the work that God would have them to do. Listen, everybody in here needs a hand sometimes. Everybody in here needs somebody to come alongside them. I don't know if you've ever had a bad day in your life. But, man, it's easy to find a lot of critics when you have a bad day, isn't it? Make a mistake. And watch how many people are willing to be a critic. Anybody know that? Right? It's hard to find people when you make a mistake that are willing to stand right beside you and have your back, ain't it? Listen, that's what that's what a friend does. That's what encouragers do. Right? They come alongside. That Greek word periklo means to be a legal advocate. I mean, literally somebody who's got your back. Right? We all need that. But you know what we also need? We need people to turn us to the work That God would have us to do. Listen. God's not kidding. He wants everybody to be saved. And the reason is because without him. Without Jesus. They're going to spend eternity in hell. Without Jesus. It won't matter what you know. It won't matter what you did. It won't matter what your job was. It won't matter how much money you have. It won't matter. right? How beautiful you are. It won't matter how many trips you took. And how many filters you used on social media. It just won't matter. If you don't know Jesus, you'll spend eternity away from God in a place called hell. That's what's at stake here. We forget that, and I get it. Life is busy. You have a full life. It's easy to forget that. But your children, and your grandchildren, and your friends, and your neighbors, and your coworkers, all of those people will face the exact same decision when they stand before God. Did you know Jesus? It is a great work we have to do. And we spend a lot of time... Encouraging each other and lifting each other up. Man, we need that. But if we don't turn people toward the work that God would have us to do, we're not, we're not succeeding in the mission. Right? Thousands upon tens of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people die almost daily. Every one of them stand before God. We've got a lot of work to do. And so in this room, there are several hundred of you and several hundred more watching online. And you know how many God wants to turn toward the work? All of us. In the hallway, there are 17, 20 mission trip leaders out there at tables ready to take your name to turn you toward the work. Right down this hallway, there's a children's ministry. Man, you guys are in great shape. That went off last night and I was in the first point. It was a rough one, right? right? Right down that hallway, right down that west hallway, there's a children's ministry that's growing every week now. Because as Joe says, the entire world's moving to Ormond, right? There's a work, there's a mission down there. Because you know the statistics that the older somebody gets and they don't know Jesus, the less likely they are to accept him. You want to find a mission field that's the most fertile and has the most bang for your buck? Children's Ministry is your place. You know what? They need you. And people say when you recruit volunteers, don't tell people how desperate the need is. Tell them how great the reward is. Listen, I don't need to tell you how great the reward is. You know what's at stake. stake? Eternity's at stake. What I do need to tell you is there's a need down there. There's a need for more children's workers because we're going to have to open more rooms to make more space. We're going to add another service, which means we're going to need more of you. If you go to the east hallway and make a left-hand turn, you'll pick up a smell. It'll smell like a locker room. You'll know you're headed to student ministry then, right? 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 You want to find a place where a mission field is fertile? Go back there and spend a month and listen to the problems that my, that our 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 year olds are dealing with that aren't, and they aren't telling you about. Because they're telling our youth partners and they're telling our student pastor. And it's terrifying. The things that they're struggling with. You want to find a place to be turned toward the work? Right there. Be on one of our 50 mission teams. Sign up today. But find a place to get to the work. Because at the end of the day, listen, there's a lot at stake here, church. We need to be strengthened. Man, get in a small group. Find out what you what you don't know and what has to be removed. Get in a group. Find a place where you can where you can be strengthened, where you can be taught the word of God more accurately, and then get turned toward the work. Because at the end of the day, we are God's plan A, we are God's plan B. We are all that God has in this world to get the work done. Remember the verse that Paul said, you and I have become the ambassadors. We have become the ambassadors on behalf of Christ that God wants us, you and you and you and you and you and and every one of you. He wants all of us to beg people, beg people on behalf of Jesus to be reconciled to God. It's a hard work. We got to go everywhere. And God wants them all. And that is a difficult task. And you need, you need all of these things to be a part of that. Does that make sense to you, church? All right. Well, listen, I'm going to pray. If you don't own Jesus today, it starts with that. So if you're in this space right up here to the right of the stage, listen, our team, our team is awesome. They're ready to answer your questions, to pray with you, to encourage you, right? In the process of finding Jesus for your online. Pastor John's there, his team's there. There's a button there, just push it. It says, I have decided, right? But at the end of the day, it all starts with what you don't know. And if you don't know Jesus, it starts there. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. So grateful. So grateful for Ray and Debbie Dial who begged me on behalf of Jesus to be reconciled to you. I'll never forget it. Father, I pray that every person in here will be a part of that equation that will be strengthened, that will be taught more accurately, but ultimately will be turned toward the work because it's disciples who make disciples of all nations. So God, grow our church, commit us to the work, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus name. Amen.